Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. And that you just be present with us uh, because there's absolutely nothing that we can do without you. And certainly worshiping you is, it's just not possible without you showing up. There've been lots of distractions and lots of things trying to get us off, off our track today. So let's pray that you'd help me to, to just represent you and in the clunkiness of being a human and still worship you despite all the stuff. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so those of you who don't know me, I'm Daryl. I'm the pastor here at Arbor Bridge. Um, thanks to all of you. Uh, I want to say thanks to all of you guys who participated in our Christmas sweater Sunday last week. Um, I, I decided to keep it going this week, obviously. Uh, I want to thank those of you guys who took ornaments from our giving tree last week. Um, so my friend Penny, uh, got some needs from our church family and the greater community and wrote those on on ornaments and put them on our Christmas tree in our lobby. And um, each of us uh, took took an ornament, committing to purchase what was written on the ornament and bring it back here this week or next week. Uh, So I I think that the ornaments were all gone in like 15 minutes. Uh, So I love that. Thank you for your generosity. Thanks for being a part of that. Um, uh, I'm always proud when our church is willing to think of others, especially during a season like this. So thank you for doing that. Um, thanks to those of you guys who are joining us here in person and online. If you're, if you're joining us online, um, I'd love for you to like our, our page. If you're joining us on Facebook and or uh, subscribe to our, uh, our YouTube channel by clicking right under the video um, so you can get updates about where, uh, what we're doing and where we're at at our church. If you're a guest with us online, um, go to the bottom of any of our web pages and uh, let us know what you think of the service. Uh, let us know that you're participating. And then if you're a guest with us here in person, we'd love for you to fill out one of those uh, guest cards in the chair in front of you. Um, you can drop that in a little white offering box in the lobby on your way out, or you can give that to me. I'd love to have a chance to meet you. Um, for those of you guys who are part of our church family, I'd love for you to, to, to invest in her. Um, and if you'd like to invest in her financially, you can do that by going to arborbridgechurch.com forward slash give. And then you can also mail your, your investment to 2500 South Main Street. And um, if you're here with us in person, certainly, like I said, there's a, there's a little white box in the lobby. You can, uh, you can invest in God's kingdom that way. So at the end of the message today, we're going to take something that's called communion together. Um, I, at the end of my message, I'm going to give you some instructions for that that are really important to me. Um, I'd love for you to take them seriously. So I'm, I'm kind of preparing your heart for what I'm going to lay on you at the end of the service. Um, it, what I share with you um, is, is really will have its effect if you, if you take, take what I share and then make a move. So um, during communion, I'm going to ask you to do that today. Uh, if you're here with us in person, there are some communion elements you can use that are in the lobby. Um, and uh, if you're watching from home, we'd love for you to participate in communion still. Get a piece of bread and some grape juice or some water, whatever you have, and participate with us in focusing on the death, the life, and the resurrection of Christ. Um, 
So uh, today I'm going to be continuing in the series, uh, Greatest Gifts. It's about, about the great, one of the greatest gifts being forgiveness. Um, I'm going to turn it back over to these guys and have them uh, lead us in some, some great songs. Thanks, guys. Pastor 
sitting on a stool today and uh, we were joking around about the fact that I'm sort of bringing back 1995 right now VH1 unplugged thank goodness somebody knows what that is and they're all over 25 Um, but um, very funny thing happened today. I was a little. I brought all my stuff and had my songs ready, and then I left my guitar strap at home like a true, um, a true noob. So I just wanted to reassure you that that uh, I'm not trying to be too cool to stand up on the job. I'm not trying to act like I'm halfway here. Um, that last song that we sang is one that I I I love the melody. It's one that you don't hear as often. It's of the Father's love begotten. It's this old 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 chant piece that got turned into um, um, sort of a Christmas preparation hymn and I play it during communion a lot to sneak it in so if you're like oh I've heard that somewhere and I don't know you might have just been hearing the melody during communion time um, but uh, we we thought that we'd you know continue what we've been doing um, since Ugly Sweater Sunday and keep singing Advent hymns together. Um, But now we're going to kind of just go back to normal worship music and sing Build My Life. I think today we're going to talk about forgiveness and reconciliation, and um, those are very good tenets to be building our lives on. So I hope that you'll join me in singing this as we get ready for the message. song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe We live for you Jesus 
Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live
so when you're planning a, a worship service or any kind of event and everything goes your way and everything starts, you know, and all the details come together and things work, then you start to, you know, you start to feel like, I have presented a worship to you, Lord, that's really honorable and it does all the things. And I'm very, uh, you, you, you feel like this worship is worthy of the Lord. Um, and then when you plan and things don't go your way or the details fall through the cracks and things are not right, you just, it makes you feel like, geez, I, what am I doing? <laughs> Why, this isn't, this isn't what, this doesn't live up to what I wanted it to, to be, or this isn't what I wanted it, I, this isn't how I wanted to honor the Lord. And I think that the difference between the attitude wise, the difference between the two is interesting because in our lives, we start to feel like, man, when things are going my way, I'm just, I'm killing it. I've, I'm doing all the, the right things and I'm living up to the way the Lord wants me to live. And when things don't go your way, you feel so vulnerable and so desperate. And so I need you, Lord. It just makes me think, obviously in both situations, whether things are going your way or things are not going your way, you, we need the Lord. We need the Lord. We need the Lord to show up. We need the Lord to be here. Um, I, I confess that to just say, I've had a frustrating morning. <laughs> And details have not gone my way for getting, getting ready for this. And the Lord is like, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm trying to invite you in all your brokenness. You're, you're just as broken when things go your way and when you're not just to come before me. And I, I just, uh, I pray that that's how you would come today. Whether you think you got it together today or not. And you just come before the Lord, come before the Lord. So before I get started with my message, I wanted to remind you that our leadership has initiated a big give for, for Tom Mann's family. Um, many of you guys know um, Tom is uh, Ryan Teresa's son. Um, he passed away a couple weeks ago. Tom was 48, um, has a lovely wife who's here with us today um, and four sons. Um, we, we'd love for you to pray for them, but also uh, do a couple other things. So one is next Saturday, uh, December 18th at 1 p.m. There'll be a memorial service here for Tom at our building. Um, our church will be providing a meal for after the service. So my friend Roy Zettelmoyer uh, is, is a professional chef. He'll be leading um, a team of people uh, in that service. If you're willing to be on Roy's team helping with the food, let me know. Um, that would be great. Um, and then also... Uh, the Till, the, till through the end of the day on Sunday next week, uh, December 19th, we'll be, we'll be you know, hosting that virtual big give. So in the past, when we had a big give, we'd take a collection here at the building. Um, and that collection, that specific collection would all go to, uh, to a specific cause. This time it's going to go to, to Tom and his family. All the money will end up going to that. But uh, since many of you participate online, we'll be doing that online. Um, our, our big give, um, if you go to our website, um, arborbridgechurch.com forward slash give, there'll be, a, there'll be a place where you can uh, select how you want to give to our church. Um, there's a drop down menu that basically says uh, where you can pick big give and all that money, like I said, will go directly to his family. Um, our leadership has set a goal of $5,000 for, fam- for their family. So let me ask you to be generous. 
Um, all of us can use a hand at one time or another. At this time, we're going to be lending a hand to those guys. Um, and again, you know, just so, for clarity sake, uh, th- there's all kinds of things this, this money can go towards, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the bills from the hospital or just some everyday living expenses and trying to make a transition like that. Uh, but let me ask you to be generous. Let me ask you to make that sacrifice. Um, I, I want to pray for that need, pray for your generosity before I start again. And then uh, I'll share a few ideas with you about forgiveness. Um, dear Father, I just pray for, I pray for our church family to be before you, um, knowing how desperate we are for you uh, every second. Even when we believe we've got it together, even when we leave, everything's falling into place for us and we're just, we're feeling like, I'm, I'm walking on sunshine. I don't, I, and, and when those, mo- the mom- those moments happen, sometimes we feel like we don't need you as much as we, as much as we really do. Um, and so I pray that, you know, we would know without a doubt that we need you desperately. And I pray that out of that, out of that, that knowledge, we'd respond to each other's needs um, we, we would respond to each other's needs and, and share what we have, everything we have. Um, and I pray for our big give that you would help us reach our goal. And, and, and I'm, I'm praying that you help us surpass it. Um, and I pray that you, our, our church family has, has demonstrated before they're very generous. And so I pray for that more um, in this month. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of what you're doing here at Arbor Bridge. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, <clears throat> so I... If those of you guys who know me, I've shared with, a lot, with you a lot of times, I absolutely love forgiveness stories. Um, if you've paid attention or if you remember, you know, throughout my time together, I've often shared stories of extravagant forgiveness. Um, I, love these, I love the stories because forgiveness stories kind of illustrate for me how far Christ has gone uh, when I've done wrong. Um, I love when there, there's somebody who has been done like ridiculously wrong and then there's a person who forgives them like in, in extreme, extreme ways. Those things are reminders of me how ridiculous I've been in my relationship with Christ and how he's forgiven me. Um, and it, it doesn't make sense that those, when, I, when, I, when I read those stories or I hear those stories or I see them on screen, they, 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 there's no way you can explain them. They don't make sense, but they, all, they always inspire me. I'm like, man. I, and I think I love them because, you know, just they inspire me. They remind me of Christ and how extravagantly forgiving he has been with me. So when I say, when I say I'm, going to, I'm going to try to forgive someone or I'm going to forgive someone, typically what I mean is I'm going to be releasing anger or I'm going to stop being bitter or I'm going to give up suffering, or I'm not going to hold a grudge anymore, or I'm going to stop being hateful. Um, and I'm going to, and when, I, when I say that, I'm going to say, I'm going to try to do those things. You know, all those things are good, clearly, and part of the forgiveness process. But when Jesus talks about forgiveness, he means something different. He means something more. His goal is more than, not, is, is, is more than just not holding a grudge. Um, his goal is to be one with us. Um, but our sin obviously makes us incapable of, of having a relationship like that. Um, God's righteousness, his holiness. Oh, we talked about his, his goodness is different than how we normally use the word good. Um, it, it makes him incapable of uniting himself with unrighteousness. I mean, and when we're tempted to think our sin isn't a big deal, we should think of that. We should, we should come back to that. Sin is so devastating, it's so awful, it can make God incapable of uniting himself with us. 
pastor, I mean, an author, uh, Charles Stanley, says it like this. He says, God's righteousness can be compared to fire. Certain things must be true of any material that is to survive being exposed to fire. So it's not like fire decides, you know, I don't like paper, so I'm going to burn it up. It's that the nature of fire demands that anything that's going to come near it, certain attributes have to have to they have to have certain attributes or, or it won't survive. And so it is with God, right? It's so it is with God. It, his, his nature demands that if we're going to be united to him, we've got to have, we've got to be, there's got to be something about us, this holiness. We've got to have this holiness and this righteousness. And the problem for me is I can't be righteous for 10 minutes. I can't be righteous for 10 seconds often. So I sin a lot. And the more I sin, the bigger the debt gets between me and God. And Jesus Christ steps in and pays that debt, which I can't pay. And we, we, the verse that we, we keep coming back to is this. It says, Christ himself is the means by which our sins are forgiven. Christ himself is the means by which our sins are forgiven and not only our sin not only our not not only our sins only but also the sins of everyone and Christ's forgiveness includes the the cancellation of wrongs the cancellation of your debt that we've done against him but it also includes a relationship and that's what his forgiveness means that, that Christ having your sin canceled you know by him is nice but to him that's a waste if he can't restore a relationship with you that's his end game. That's his end game. So now, having said that, having said that Christ's forgiveness means canceling debt and reconciliation, he says this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, if you do this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And part of what's implied by these verses, obviously, in, in our series today, is as Christ has forgiven me, he wants me to forgive others the same way. So last week, I, I said that when people sin against me, I have to you know, work it out in my heart, um, sometimes with a friend or a counselor or a pastor or so, someone. Um, and, and whenever it's possible, I need to try as, as, you know, as much as is in my power to have reconciliation with the offending party. Now, if I sin against you and you come to me offering reconciliation, it doesn't mean that everything gets to go, immediately gets to go back to the way it was. It's a process of rebuilding trust. The point, the point, the point of what Jesus is saying, the point that he's making is that we consistently leave the door open to the possibility of reconciliation. And that is what Jesus does for us consistently, even though what we do to him is ridiculous. He always leaves the door open so that we can be reconciled to him. And then he says, love other, each other that way. Love each other that way. And I think that's so powerful if we're willing to do it. Jesus' offer of forgiveness and reconciliation is clearly a gift, the greatest gift, the greatest gift. Our gift to one another is copying him, is doing what he's done. Being willing to talk with people who sin against us and offer them reconciliation, that is the gift for the people that we interact with, but also for the Father. 
That offer of reconciliation is a gift for the people you interact with, but it's also a gift for the Father. So one Christmas, my brother and I um, had something between us, and we, didn't, we hadn't talked for months. So that year, when Christmas came around, I went to my dad, and my dad, you know, my, my family thinks I'm super hard to buy for, my dad's super hard to buy for. Um, and so I go to my dad and I say, Dad, what do you want for Christmas? Obviously, what he said, the thing he wanted most for Christmas was for my brother and I to reconcile. Forgiveness between us, that would be the greatest gift we could give him. When you are willing, when you are willing to truly forgive a fellow child of God, you are giving the Father the greatest gift. I pray that you would consider giving the father that gift this Christmas. If there's someone in your life who has sinned against you, who has hurt you, the father asks that you prepare to give, to to, to forgive that person, prepare to offer reconciliation, prepare to offer reconciliation with that person. Now, this is the part, this is the part that's really important to me that I want to say to you. Um, And again, when I share things with you from this stage each Sunday, uh, you can get something out of it just by listening to me because I'm sharing the word. What I share goes infinitely further when you take what I say and then you do it. I'm asking you, I'm, and I, I know what I'm asking you is super difficult. I'm asking you to do this to make things right, to reconcile. So I, I thought it'd be helpful if I share an example. And I've shared parts of this story with some of you before, but it's relevant today. So you know, bear with me if you've heard, you know, you got, you, you're with me. So um, God's been, and let me say this, God's been getting me ready to share this series for months um, with you guys. And so when I'm getting ready to share a series, I try to make sure I'm doing what I'm gonna ask you to do before I ask you to do it. So when I'm ever, whenever I'm standing up here asking you to do something, typically, I've tried to make myself do it already. It's been, it's been hard. It's been hard. So I shared with many of you guys before that before I was at this church, I was at another church, not on staff, as a, as a member of the church family. And when a position to work at that church uh, came open. So I applied for the role. They didn't choose me. It was a long, painful process. Uh, you, many of you guys have heard about that. Uh, it's, it's, it, was, it was awful. Um, they didn't pick me and it felt like a betrayal. I mean, it felt like a betrayal. And at that time, some of the people at the church were some of my closest friends. I felt especially betrayed um, by the church staff member who was stepping down. His name was Vic. Um, Vic gave me permission to, uh, to share this story with you. So Vic and I um, had worked together closely on so many things and I had a great friendship with him. So, and let me pause, let me pause and say this about this, about this story, about, you know, whenever I talk about this, um, this circumstance, people from our church will bring up to me, well, Daryl, I'm, I'm glad you didn't get the job there because oh, you could come here. Um, and I'm with that. Me too. Me too. Me too. You're my people. Um, I was made for this church. Um, that being said, um, it doesn't change how painful and hurtful the rejection was. It was awful. Um, so that was almost 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago. And during the past two, two, dec- two decades or so, I've had um, periods of success, limited success of letting go of anger and having some peace about it. 
but I certainly, certainly never talked to Vic. Never. And I felt betrayed by him. And honestly, I mean, I, I was cool with not talking to him. So I'm talking with a couple of my mentors about this series coming up, and they say, you need to talk to Vic. And I said, no. I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. So I reach out to him, Vic on Facebook, try to set up a lunch. And this guy comes and buys my lunch. And so I let, after, he buy, after he's bought my lunch, we had, to, we had this fight about who's going to pay, pay for lunch. And then he buys my lunch and then I lay out to him how he had hurt me and how I felt betrayed by him. Um, and I, feel, I felt so stupid talking about it. You, you can be mad about something and then when you actually talk about it, you're like, why am I so mad? This is idiotic. This is 20 years ago. So I'm talking to him about how, you know, remember that thing 20 years ago? Well, I'm still mad. And I feel so betrayed by you. And he was super gracious, super gracious. He launches into this apology right away and said he had no idea I was so hurt by what happened. And this is what he said. He said, Daryl, I wish you had come to me sooner. Behaving far more Christ-like than me. And then he said this. He says, Daryl, I'll tell you now what I couldn't tell you then because I was on the search committee. I was pulling for you. I was trying to convince them that you would be the best person for the church. But I got outvoted and I was on a committee and so I had to submit to the team. So for 20 years, I wrestled with anger and bitterness toward this man. I refused to offer any kind of reconciliation all over something that I misinterpreted what he did. It's, it's so incredibly wrong in so many ways. It's hard to articulate. It's hard to articulate. If I had only obeyed Jesus' command that we talked about last week, this is what it says. He says this. So watch yourselves. Watch yourself. Be careful. If your brother or if you think your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, correct them. And if they repent, forgive them. If I thought that Vic had sinned against me, then I should have talked to him sooner. And think of the time wasted. Certainly, I know certainly our friendship didn't, you know, doesn't hop back to what it was 20 years ago, but the, the door is open now. The path is open. The father asked that if someone has sinned against you and hurt you, you talk with the person and see if the relationship can be, can be restored. And if it can't, you grieve the loss of that relationship. That is so sad, father. And he'll be sad. We'll be sad together. But for you, the door is open. So if you're a Jesus follower, seeking forgiveness is not 
optional. It's not optional. It's a central task of our work. Jesus talks about in his word, you have the ministry of reconciliation. Not just, not, and I think that's what that means. As we got, if I'm going through this, 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 this series, it's not just, I always thought that that meant reconciliation between them and the father, but I don't think it just means that anymore. I think it means between us. Your ministry, my ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation. So today, I want to ask you to do that. If someone has sinned against you, then don't wait 20 years like I have making a fool of myself. Today, I want to give you uh, one other way. One other way that we can share the gift of forgiveness. One other way that you can do it. So once Jesus is preaching a message to tell people uh, how they can make the world better, how they can be lights in the dark world. And he, he, so he says, hey, listen, I want you to be, I want you to make the world better. Here's how you do it. Keep the law. Keep the law. Keep the law. He says, I'm not here to abolish the law. I'm here to fulfill the law. And then he gives an example of what he means. He says this. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject, subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. Therefore, since that's true, if you're offering a gift at the altar and there you remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So often I, I act like my relationship with God is you know, exclusively between me and him. Not between like me and him and you. Like that's none of your business. But here Jesus says, no. In fact, if you're in the middle of worshiping the father, if you're in the middle of worshiping him, realize that there's something and you realize there's something between you and someone else, fix it. Stop, stop what you're doing and fix it and then come back to worship. Which is, 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 and here's why, here's why, here's why. Our relationship with one another affects our worship of the father. I can't be out of whack with you guys and then come and try to worship and have, expect for it to be just, oh yeah, totally cool. And, and think, of it like, think of it like this, think of it like this, think of it like this. If, if that doesn't track with you, think of it like this. Um, if you get sideways in your relationship with my daughter, that's gonna limit our friendship. I can be nice to you and I can say hey to you and we can, we can have like top level cordial talk, but if we're gonna be close friends, we're, we're gonna have to have it out about that specific thing. I mean, that's logical. You can't have bad blood with my daughter without having bad blood for me. We're going to have to talk about it. As dearly as my, I love my daughter, the father loves each of us infinitely more than I love her. So I, if I want to be close to him, as far as it depends on me, then I've got to make my relationships right. And even if, even, if it's, so even if I'm in the middle of worship, if one day I'm up here preaching and I say, hold, hold on guys, I'm a, I gotta come back and you see me walk off, it's because of that. It's because I know I got bad blood I gotta fix. Fix it. Or at least try. And the most interesting thing about these verses, this is, this is the, the troubling thing that when I read this verse, it's, 
It's, it's, it says this, it says, if you're angry at someone, you are in danger. If you're angry at someone, you are in danger. You're in danger of getting yourself in trouble. So the Bible teaches that, that being angry is not a sin, um, but it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. Um, the Bible teaches we should be slow, 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 slow to become angry, super slow to become angry. We shouldn't be, we, we should be just long. You've got a long, 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 long time before you become angry. And then the Bible teaches if we do get angry, we shouldn't stay angry very long. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. So you should take a long time to get angry. And if you get angry, resolve it because you shouldn't stay angry very long. And here's why. Here's why. Our anger, getting angry is like picking up a chainsaw, right? Using a chainsaw is not a sin, but it's dangerous. And when you're using a chainsaw, this is what I'm gonna do with you. I'm like, Whoa, I'm gonna give you lots of space. And if I wanna get close to someone, I'm gonna wait till they put that chainsaw down. When you are angry, it is like you're holding a chainsaw in close quarters with people. And you know this, you know this. It's why when you're angry, you're like, I gotta go to bed. Or when you're angry, you're like, I need to get some space. Because you know, if you don't, what's gonna happen? Anger can be dangerous. So if you've got to pick it up, pick it up, use it, done. It's dangerous. Anger is similar to that. It's so dangerous that Jesus talks about, talks about it alongside of murder. Murder. So it's, you would think after, after laying out how dangerous that anger is, you would think after the next instructions that Jesus would give is something like, okay, put down your anger. Danger, uh, there's, there's super, super dangerous things that happen when you're angry. So the next instructions would be, okay, put down your anger. Stop being angry. That's the next instructions that Jesus would say. I mean, that would be logical. But he does something so completely counterintuitive, it's crazy. He says, anger's dangerous. If you realize someone's angry at you, you go to them and make it right. You're like, whoa, 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 They're, they got the chainsaw. I need to, he's like, I know. It's this counterintuitive, flip everything on his head world that Jesus often operates in. He says, if they're angry, you take responsibility for making things right. It's incredible. It's incredible. He's saying, if you're offering a gift to God, you should, and it, you should know that the best gift, the best gift that you can offer is reconciliation with your brother or sister. So do that first and then come back and offer your gift. So during my 20 years of anger toward, toward my friend Vic, um, I often thought, you know, it'd be super nice if, if Vic would realize what he did and reach out to me and apologize. Admit he was wrong. What a, what a gift that would have been to me. And, and again, I don't hold that against him. I mean, he didn't, he, he didn't know. I, I don't hold it against him that he didn't do it. He had no idea how I felt and it didn't occur to him. Um, but, but that made me think this. What that made me think is this. Are there ways that I may have hurt folks in my life without knowing it? Are there folks that I've hurt that would be blessed from an apology and a request for forgiveness from me? And the answer to that question 
is yes. <laughs> uh, emphatic yes. If you, you maybe you, if I ask that question out loud and you're thinking, oh, no, 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 yes. The answer to that question is yes. There is someone in your life who would be blessed by you going to them saying, would you forgive me? If Vic had done that for me, he would have been helping me with my anger and selfishness. There are people, there are people in my life, there, there are people who are dead now that, I'm, that, I, that I, struggle with, I struggle with bitterness towards and anger at. What a gift it would have been if before they died, they said, you know, Daryl, let me talk to you. I'm so sorry. I know I didn't meet your expectations. I'm so sorry that I didn't live up to. I'm, I'm so sorry for the things I've done. Would you please forgive? It is hard for me to overstate what kind of gift that would have been for me. Can I give that kind of gift to someone else? If I could, would I be willing to give a gift like that to someone else? If I'm willing, it would help in my closeness with God. One of the ways that you could do this is by beginning, and again, homework, love for you to do this, is just beginning with the people closest to you and asking this simple question, asking this question. Do you have any resentful feelings toward me for any wrong I've done against you? Some of us have never asked a question like that of anyone close to us. Absolutely never. I dare you to ask this question. I dare you to ask this question. And then just listen. Clearly, clearly, if you're married, you can ask your spouse. Clearly, if you're not married, if you're divorced, you can ask your ex-spouse. If you've got children, that would be a great place to start. Often, often, often when people come and sit down with me and talk with me and, or I do premarital counseling, people talk about how hurt they've been by their parents. And what a gift. When I'm sitting there talking with them, I think what a gift it would be if their parents would initiate and say, I'm so sorry. Would you please forgive me? Or ask a question like this and say, is there anything that I've done what a gift. What, what a gift that would be. And then just listen and apologize. And whenever I do a message like this, I try to ask my family these questions. So, and then it occurred to me this, let me say this to you all out loud again. So certainly in the whatever 16 years I've been here with you, I have most certainly hurt some of you Many, obviously, when I hurt people often, that means they're going to stop going here. But uh, maybe you're still here. You're still with me. If I have hurt you, if I have wronged you, please forgive me for what I have done. I'd love to talk with you more about it. I'd love to give you this example. I'd love to give you this example. And you don't have to do this, but you should do something. So in preparing for this message, um, I was thinking about this terrible thing I did to a young lady when I was in ninth grade. Um, it's the kind of thing that you, you, I think about and um, horrified, humiliated by, it's haunting. Um, 
I can't believe it was me that that did this thing. And I'd be, yeah. So, look her up on Facebook. Go back through my yearbook. Remember, remember what her name is. Look her up on Facebook. I found her, put in a friend request. She accepted my request. And I reached out to her and reminded her of what I had done all all those years ago and asked for her forgiveness. Here's how she responded. Thank you for reaching out, making amends. Sadly, this is a very common situation in school, right? As teenagers, we very commonly had zero boundaries. Please know that I understand the strength it took to reach out to me looking for forgiveness. I commend you for that. I absolutely forgive you. May God continue to bless you, Daryl. God's blessings to you and your family. I don't share, I don't share my examples to say, yay me, look at how, I share my examples to say, you've got to do this. You have to do this. And is it going to be hard? Yes, yes, it's going to be hard, but you will be the one that is being blessed. Is there someone who's hurt you that you've held on to? You initiate conversation with them. Is there someone that comes up in your mind that you might have hurt? You initiate a conversation with them. Ask for the forgiveness of someone in your life. What an extraordinary Christmas present that would be. It would be unspeakable. Unspeakable. So today, as we prepare to take communion together, I'd love to ask you to pray. Father, would you show me if a brother or sister has something against me. Would you pray that? Father, would you show me if a brother or sister has something against me? And then would you give me the courage to go to that person and ask for their forgiveness, reconcile with it? And again, it's going to be hard. I'm sorry. But there is a blessing for people who do hard things in regards to pursuing Christ. I'd ask that you, uh, you pray these things. And if the Lord brings a person to your mind, then, then, then make things right before you take communion. We've got some portable ones. Take it with you. But if the Lord brings someone to your mind, here's what I'm, here's, here's what I'm saying to you. Don't take communion again until you make it right. Don't take communion again until you make it right. So every time you sit in this room and we're singing together and we worship together and you listen to me talk and you get ready to take communion, you'll be like, oh, before I do this, I need to make it right. And again, that's what Jesus is saying. If you're paused, if you're worshiping and you remember, oh, wait, go make it right. So that's my invitation to you. If someone, the Lord brings someone to your mind, wait. Wait. And then after you do, take that communion. And, I, and here's what I wonder. Here's what I wonder. When you take communion that time, after you've done what he's asked you to do, I wonder if it'll have any effect on your communion experience. I bet it will. I bet it will. I bet it will. Would you be able to get close to the Father because you don't have anything between you and one of his kids. Let's pray together and then you pray on your own before worshiping the Lord in communion. Let's pray. Dear Father, 
We want to follow what your, what your word says what your, in regards to reconciliation. And we know, we know in regards to any of this uh, worship of you or relationship with you, the, the, the easy part is coming here and singing songs and listening to me talk. The hard part is about to start right now when we take what you say in your word and we put it into action. Help us to do that. Help us to do that certainly every time, every time that we, we read something or we come across something that, that seems challenging that, that you're calling us to, but help us to do it now, specifically now. If, if we've got something against someone, I pray that you help us to reach out to them and just say, hey, this, this is where I'm at. I pray that folks will learn from my example and not take 20 years to do it. And then if there are people, you bring to mind people that we may have hurt. Pray that you'd help us to go and ask for forgiveness. And, and I pray, and I pray this, Lord, I, I pray, pray that you help us ask hard questions to the people closest to us. Questions like, have I hurt you? Let me make it right. Let me make it right. You did that for us. Help us to do that for each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.